Spinster Life Podcast. Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm Eva. And today we have our first guest, none other than Laysan, my friend, my co-conspirator. That's me. <laughs> my cheerleader. Thank you for being on the show, Laysan. Thank you for having me. So Laysan is Russian. I am. That's correct. <laughs> you, you, so far, 10 out of 10, you're getting all of the things about me correctly. <laughs> your name, your country of origin. Yes. Uh, tell Eva a little bit about being Russian. Well, I was born in Russia and lived there for 19 years. Uh, oh, my to God. To be more specific, yeah, I uh, was born and raised in Tatarstan, which is an independent republic that is located inside of Russia. So, I mean, you can make your own guess on how truly independent it is. But I am ethnically Tatar, and I my nationality is Russian. So I am a mix of Russian-Tatar identity. And since I did move to the United States at the age of 19, I now have a little bit of an American in me, too. So I am most of the time confused. So that's <laughs> a little bit about me. <laughs> that's funny. I would say you're one of the least confused people I know. Oh, I am very confused. <laughs> <laughs> so Laysan is not a spinster. She is a divorcee. Correct. And thank you for having me and allowing me to have my <laughs> even though I did get married at the very young age of 19. Oh, my God. I got divorced. So I hope that this is uh, still making me deserving of being it, Oh, my God. Were you on the first season of 90 Day Fiance? I was not. <laughs> also, how offensive is that question? It uh, it isn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need to. So you got married at nineteen. How how does that happen? <laughs> how did you end up married at such a young age? Um, I do not recommend. <laughs> uh, I guess like people have different experiences, but I would say for the most part, at nineteen, you don't really know. Yeah, who you are and therefore what you want. And you are a totally different person. And if the person you married at 19 is not changing with you, then you're going to go in different directions. Yeah. That's just inevitable. It's going to outgrow them. And Laysan's husband was a little bit like Matthew McConaughey's character in, in Dazed and Confused because he was significantly older than her. So okay. he was, you know, like, they keep, they, they stay the same age and I just keep getting older. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, comparing him to Matthew McConaughey really gives him um, an advantage that I think he might not deserve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he probably doesn't, no. <laughs> but how does it happen to get married at 19? I think there is a certain level of expectation that is put on you by your family through your upbringing, and not expectation in terms of, like, you must get married this early, but even expectation in terms of, like, oh, look around you, all of your you know, cousins and friends are getting married. This is natural and normal. So um, even though I lived in the United States and my family stayed behind in Russia, you would think that there will be like a healthy separation between my wants and needs and their wants and needs separated by thousands of miles. That doesn't really happen. So my upbringing and how my friends in Russia and family in Russia continue to behave definitely influenced how I thought I should live my life as well. So uh, majority of my close friends and, you know, cousins uh, who are my age now have children who are about to turn 13 years old. So this is a very standard, normal thing to do in Russia to marry when you are 19, have children when you are, you know, 19, 20. That is standard. So for me, getting married at 19 was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's this, just what you're going to do. And now looking back at it, I was like, that is the craziest fucking shit you could have done. It, it's not even a thing. You don't question or wonder like, huh, I wonder if someday I'll get married. Like, that's a choice for you. It's just what what you're going to do. Yeah. When I was researching just marriages and women and, you know, different attitudes towards women who are married, unmarried, uh, in 18th century Russia... And I guess it might not be that different in other countries. The average age for uh, peasant women to get married was 12. Good <laughs> fucking what? Jesus. Oh, God. No. Ew. No. Does it say how old? The, I mean, 
this just makes it worse. And I, I just shouldn't ask this question. It's just like one of those things where I don't want to know, but like, I have to know. Did, did you come across what the average age for men was at that time to get married? I, I haven't come across the age, uh, the average age for men, but I know it would be common for, for people not to live very long and women would bear, uh, carry, um, on average, I think seven children. Whew. And it was common for women to die during childbirth, right? So yeah. what would happen to the man who lost his wife? He would get remarried. And that person he would get remarried to would be, you know, another 12-year-old or 13-year-old. Uh, but also, I don't think it was that uncommon in a higher class as well. Like a lot of the novels that you're reading about 19th century when they're going to the ball and they're debutantes and they're there being groomed to meet their husbands. Like they're like 15-year-olds. I know we read them and we like think of them as like our age or at least like people in the 20s. They're not. They're children. <laughs> so a lot of times we just don't think about it, but they're extra, extra, extra young. In um, 18th century, 19th century, even in higher society, it was common for a huge age gap because marriage in a higher class was definitely seen as an opportunity to be connected to a rich family or a high status family. Love wasn't really part of it. And there are quite a few biographies about, uh, not even like royalty, but people like from a higher status who basically would have arranged marriages. No one would ask them really if they were into it or not. Uh, there were famous paintings of uh, women just being distraught by the partners they are being presented because they're like much older or they literally just met them and now they're getting uh, married to them. Uh, but it was interesting because when I started looking for a famous Russian woman who's never been married, I was like, oh, sure, like uh, that's going to be easy. And I couldn't find anyone. I had to write to my Russian friends who studied like Russian history and they were like, yeah, but before the revolution, if you weren't married, you were sent to the monastery and you were a nun. Wow. Like, that's literally what they would do to you. Mm -hmm. uh, because women didn't really have a lot of rights. Yeah. They were only really regarded to as attached to a male. Basically, before the revolution, if you weren't married, you were, like, considered crazy or, you know, sent to a monastery to be a nun. What was the, uh, what was the age cutoff? At what age would they say you're hopeless and send you away? I mean, early 20s, like that was, I mean, to this day, I remember when I was growing up in Russia, I remember my friend and I were hanging out and she was like, we're so worried about, I just remember this conversation so clearly. She was like, I'm so worried about my brother. I was like, why? And she was like, well, he, you know, he's 24 now and he's still not married. And I was like, that's really crazy. And I don't know why I remember it so well, but both of us, me included, we were like, wow, that is like devastating. <laughs> <laughs> like something is terribly wrong with him so i mean to this day if you're not married by the age of 25 it's like wow what a tragedy to you and your family <laughs> i think it's changing a little bit uh especially in bigger cities like moscow where people like are very career oriented but especially in more like suburban areas and smaller cities like yeah that's that's the deal and it sounds like it it was seems really tied to the idea that women's purpose is reproduction. You're most fertile when you're incredibly young. You may die in childbirth. And you were saying that, the, you know, the average family was having like seven children. It wasn't just, oh, you're, you know, you must get married or it's just implied you're going to get married. It's implied you're going to get married. And then it's implied that you're going, um, you're going to have children until you're not fertile or until you die or, you know, until I guess you can't afford any more children. Yeah, it was very much until like the 17th century, women were only looked at as like mothers and wives and were kind of thought of as just an extension of a man. Uh, Peter the Great instituted some changes that allowed for things like inheritance. So women could inherit some land. However, they were not really able to manage it without man's permission so starting in 17th century women like started going towards a little bit of independence but um education wasn't really a thing that was provided for women until like uh uh Ekaterina Catherine Catherine the Great mm -hmm. I don't know how you call her in yeah Catherine the Great um 
where they established like an education system for women, but it was like playing piano kind of education. You know what I mean? It wasn't like an education where you go and you're a doctor now. Uh, that happened only in uh, close to the 1900s, where women started to be allowed to go to universities. And actually, in 1900s, Russia produced the most amount of like professional women in Europe to be like doctors, teachers. Mm. Uh, and uh, and one of the shifts happened right around the revolution during Lenin era because he really needed to he needed more people to be behind his cause and one of the ways to do it is to get women to back him up and women to fight for his cause so he was very explicit about women not belonging in the kitchen like this is a quote from him he said petty housework crushes strangles stultifies and degrades the woman, chains her to the kitchen and to the nursery, and wastes her labor on barbarously unproductive, petty, nerve-wracking, and crushing drudgery. And his wife was, like, a very active, very active in politics, and he kind of saw women filling that role. Which is exciting, but here's what happened in Russia, and is still happening in Russia. Women were propelled to the workforce, during World War II, this happened too, like a lot of men died uh, during that war and women were again propelled in bigger numbers to work in positions that men previously occupied. So Russia doesn't really lack women in places of power in in organizations. Like a lot of times you would see powerful women and it's not surprising. However, what has happened is that women were given this opportunity to work and occupy important positions while not reducing their workload at home. So that's really what happened and why I've always been confused about it. All of all of my examples that I can think of, even if a woman is a lawyer or whatever, you name the profession, she does all of the work at home. It is highly, highly, highly unusual for a man to do like really anything around the house. Um, so while men were like, sure, yeah, go, go to the factory and work a 14 hour day, you know, but when you come home, please, you are responsible for cooking, for cleaning, for feeding the children, for teaching the children, for, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So women are really doing like double, the double work in, in Russia. I mean, that sounds very familiar. It does sound like what it's like. It sounds like the U.S. as well, that women do the bulk of the housework. Uh, in Russia, is it more just like, women are expected to because in the u.s it's usually like no no like we divide chores equally but then they do studies and and men are still doing like 30 percent of the household tasks and women are doing 70 um so is it just expected like no you're a woman so you're going to do 100 percent of the in-home stuff yes it's expected and i think the divide in america is not as great uh and i think a woman in america I guess it also depends on where you are. Like, I think bigger cities, more progressive cities um, tend to have a different balance than like very small rural cities. But Russia, imagine Russia, it's like one rural city, but then there is Moscow. That's, that's pretty much like what it is. Like, imagine what's happening in small town in Texas. That is like entire Russia. Um, and uh, women, they're like 100% expected to serve the men. There are some exceptions, I'm sure, now that we're getting into, like, younger people who have been abroad, who have studied abroad, who have experienced how things are abroad, and now they're implementing it back home. But, like, my generation, um, yeah, you, you you get married and then you do everything around the house. That is expected. Oh, my God. And is it, like, the same expectation, like, you're also going to get a job? Because, you know, here in the U.S., like, there is the choice. You can choose to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of the house. Um, is that even an option in Russia? Or it is just like, no, you're going to... No, you do both, though. It depends on your income. So I have uh, family friends where a woman stays at home. She does everything around the house and the husband works. But I also have... The rest of my examples, honestly, are they both work. And that's expected because like, otherwise there's just not enough income to pay for the house, food, whatever. So you both work, but then a woman also. It's kind of looked at like it's not a man's job. 
It's not a man's job to do things or like around the house. Then what is a man's job? To do man things. Like, <laughs> to, uh, like when you, like when you think about it. So like yeah, what they are expected to be a sack of potatoes in their own home. They're just like they just sit there and they, uh, you cook and clean around them. It's like if you have a yard, like the man is usually like he fixes wood around the house or stones and shit you know wood he fixes wood and stones <laughs> i explained that very eloquently you're welcome but you know like i love it um hardware kind of <laughs> tasks <laughs> but that but that you know that goes for people who have houses like i've seen the man in a relationship be like okay i'm gonna go like fix up a sauna or like hey i built some bricks outside or i don't know i fixed the car but, you know, it's still, mm. Those are, like, once-in-a-while things. Like, you're yeah. not going to be, like, those aren't things you do every day, you know? It's like, no. oh, well, I have to do the mowing. You go get on a, a riding mower for two hours. You're literally only doing that, like, once every two weeks or once a week yeah. for summer yeah. months. That's not, like, an everyday thing. Yeah. Like, household things are, raising children, like... It, it's yeah, still such exactly. a disparity. I'll, I'll give an example of my own relationship. I have calls with my dad and my mom over Zoom sometimes, right? When they see inside my house. And whenever my boyfriend is in the background and he is cooking, say breakfast, my father is like, is he really making his own breakfast? And I said, <gasps> of course he is. And my father is like, uh, do you make him do it? Is he okay with doing it? And I was like, he is like an adult who can, you know what I mean? Those are the questions that I'm being asked. Now, there's a caveat there that I'm from like a very Muslim family oh. that I think adds to the, <laughs> and this is, I, I don't want to get into like Islam and what it actually teaches, but I think interpretation of Islam a lot of times uh, is that woman is more oppressed i i don't agree that that's what actually Quran teaches but yeah that is yeah in the interpretation i would say that like in a lot of religions that is kind of the like the rule that filters down and i think you know why wouldn't men do that so they could just be lazy yeah and and so that that is a common thing or my dad once called me and said um because we were on a call together me and my boyfriend and then my father called me separately and he said your hair wasn't brushed properly in front of a man oh <gasps> Oh, my God. So <laughs> there's like a whole other layer to this where um, it's just like not it, what what you see in a modern relationship mm -hmm. strikes them as very inappropriate. Yeah. And when uh, when we're visiting, same thing, whenever my boyfriend is like, OK, uh, you know, you guys cooked, going to wash the dishes. My father is like bewildered by it. And he says, like. Is he, does he hate you for this? And I was like, no, I don't think he does. Uh, but he's just so st stunned yeah, by the fact that a man can like voluntarily go so below himself to do the work that is woman's work. But then <laughs> I try to, every time that I'm there, I know that like freaking out about it is not going to like fix anything. So I slowly try to describe why this is, um, this is like the way it should be. Um, and one of the things that I noticed, because my father is very hardworking, actually. He built the house from scratch. Like he did everything himself. That is a significant amount of work, right? Brick by brick. So that's, you know, he is a hardworking man. But that preconceived notion that certain jobs just make him less of a man or respected person is definitely... Outdated. It's very outdated. You know, it's interesting that you say you bring up the word respect, because I think that's really what it is at the core of this, right? I think you said earlier, like, you, you literally said something about, you know, it being beneath him, you know, implying that housework, you know, doesn't just make them less of a man, but it it is beneath them. And so to lower themselves to that, you know, is improper and also you know use the word bewildered it is kind of that thing where it could be shocking to someone you know like it's really the heart of it is respect mm -hmm. women are respected mm -hmm. less than men right so it 
and I don't think most men think of it that way. I don't think it's it. I don't think your father in his head is like, I, I just, I don't respect her. So she should do the dishes. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not it's conscious. So ingrained, it's so ingrained in them. And I think when you talk to people and truly try to get to the bottom of why that belief occupies their head, they're like confused themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because the interesting shift that did happen, because I had to stay in Russia for, a while and my boyfriend visited a couple of times that my father started washing the dishes and he didn't do that too many times but he was like oh okay your boyfriend is a man he has a good job he seems smart he seems educated and respected but he still does the dishes and like it computed in his head that this is okay you know (laughs) so like even small shifts are interesting but uh it made me laugh Because it was such a clear sign of how little men spend in the kitchen is that, again, like my father built this, the house where they live in himself. And when I first visited them, once the house was built, I walked, it's a big house, has like quite a bit of space. Uh, where you walk into the kitchen and it's made like a doll kitchen. Like the sink is the smallest sink. Oh God. There's like no counter space (laughs) and the smallest of the trash cans is there. It's like a cup. And I was like, so he also designed the whole thing, right? He designed the whole thing. This is all based on what he thinks. Yes. And I was like, what do you think happens in the kitchen? Like, it's impossible to operate in it. I mean, like, I lived in a one one bedroom tiny LA apartment and I had more counter space than that kitchen did because it was built in a way that, like, (laughs) no one who designed this has ever spent a day in the kitchen. Oh, God. Um, It was hilariously bad. And the the little trash can, I was like, what the fuck is this? He was like, well, I don't like the trash to accumulate. And I was like, yeah, you don't cook. You don't understand how hard it is. Like, you need to take this out, like, every five minutes. Yeah. But it's not productive to anyone. Uh, but that, that was a great example of me realizing my father has not spent a day, really, <laughs> <laughs> in the kitchen doing this. You know, it's um, interesting because my my parents had a similar division of labor in terms of my dad pretty much did nothing. And my, my mom did everything with regard to housework, cooking, cleaning, you know, and my, my mother's parents acted that way. My father's parents acted that way. And so growing up, that's just what they each saw, you know? So my mom accepted it as it, it was never a conversation. Like my mom just accepted that she had to do all these things. And mm-hmm. my father just accepted that he did not. Anytime my dad did something like made dinner he acted like he deserved a goddamn trophy, you know, <laughs> like it. And, and it was funny because my mom kind of played into that. It was like she was yeah. so overly grateful. You know, we do this thing where we coddle men and boys, you know, and we're just like, it takes two to play this game. We baby the fuck out of them. Um, yeah. And so they expect like it's like he was expecting a trophy. Um, I mean, usually in terms of like some sort of verbal validation or whatever, and he got it, you know, and, you know, and it didn't occur to either of them that, that this was an unfair balance, you know, and it, it just really speaks to the repetitive nature of behaviors that are taught in any given culture. Right. And don't question it. Um, I think, Laysan, you were talking too about uh, in Russia, it's very common for people to not, they don't have that step that like I had or or Eva had where like, you know, you, you finish high school and then you move out, like you go to college or you go somewhere where you have to take care of yourself. And you're saying that most people, they don't do that. They just live with their parents the whole time until they're married. So they never have this time to like, A, either see another man doing the dishes and be like, oh, oh, it's okay for me to do the dishes and or like learn those things because uh, like you were saying, Eva, it's just so ingrained that their mothers just did, you know, they did the jobs, they kept the house clean and they never made their sons do it. So they just never, never learned and they never, and they never saw it. It also is interesting to me that, you know, girls are, are taught all of these things by their mothers growing up. Like you're mm-hmm. taught how to cook. You're taught how to clean. Um, by the time that girl reaches the age of adulthood, she knows how to do those things. She knows how to take care of a house. She knows how to feed a family, right? But how it's not about 
you know, men being bad and men trying to control us and men, men making us do these things. And, you know, men are bad, men are bad, men are bad. That is not the such, like, that's not what we're saying. Um, most of the time, (laughs) I think what it is, is, and again, like I said, you touched on this. It's, it's the cultural dogma that we are fed, right? And meaning it's also reinforced by women, right? It's not, it's not, it's not just a situation of like in your instance with your parents where uh, I believe anyway, um, you can correct me, that's just your dad with the drop jaw that your boyfriend's doing the dishes. I'm assuming your mom was just like correct. also kind of drop jaw. Yes. The difference exactly. is she might have been more impressed with it and, you know, as opposed to being horrified by it. Um, perhaps, but I found in my own life when it comes to my mother and my grandmother, sometimes they're the ones who are almost more likely to, um, bristle at me not staying within gendered norms, you know, like they also want to reinforce and for some reason seemingly keep these unbalances um of of that you know it is kind of a thing where um they have these ingrained norms you know and and i you know i realized at a young age oh my god it's not just like my dad who thinks of of women in this certain way or just can be disrespectful to women Mm -hmm. like my mom thinks that way you know my grandmother thinks that way of course because if you are at say 40 50 60 you know and you your entire life thought this way, uh, you ab- unconsciously or consciously know that if you're going to have to rethink this part of your life in terms of gender roles, what other part of your life do you need to rethink and how how difficult will it be for you to handle that you might have lived your life in a way that was not serving you? So there mm. could be like such a drastic shift in your thinking that could be really like detrimental to your mental stability almost yeah. right that it's safer to stay in that box and think that women are lesser um it's <laughs> there was a funny example where again we were in russia and all the men were in the living room and all the m- women were in the kitchen prepping food and my boyfriend just walked in there and was like can i help with anything and they all froze and they were all like why is he here and i was like <laughs> oh he wants to help out and they were just like what do you mean and every single woman in that kitchen, and they were all like, my mom, you know, and th- that age group, my age group, younger age group, were so confused by this attempt for him to be in the kitchen. Uh, but they eventually were like, th- thought it was very funny and charming that he did that. But that vision, I still remember that multiple generations of women in that kitchen were just con- so confused by the man's presence. Um, and I, I agree a hundred percent that my mom also, yes, thinks that way. It's not like my mom is sitting there and thinking like, yeah, that's fucked up. She's always, uh, bought into this, um, construction of reality where it's like, this is, um, man's role. This is woman's role. Uh, she at some point, <laughs> I'm afraid to quote this, but she told me that it's scientifically proven that Women's brains are smaller than men's. Oh my god! Oh my god! I've heard and that before, like, though. Like I feel so it is, like, upsetting. I'm that shocked, it's funny. and I'm not because I feel like I feel well, like that. Your your mother's definitely not the only woman in the world who who has bought into that sort of thing. I, I mean, I guess it could technically be true if women, on average, are smaller than men and their heads are smaller. The amount of brain matter in there would be <laughs> is smaller, irrelevant. But that doesn't. Right. That doesn't mean that's, it's how you use it. It's, you know, it's like a little dick. It's, it's, you know, it's how you use it. Right. But also to earlier point that women are groomed to do housework. I mean, look at our toys. Yeah. We're given like a fake kitchen. Yeah. And like shopping carts and stuff. Like, <laughs> what are you preparing this oh. for? You know, we're not given cars and shit. This, like, Men, I mean, boys are given toys. We're given chores. You know what I mean? They're like little chores that are supposed to be cute, but they're fucking chores. You're giving me like a fake eggplant that I'm supposed to cook. What the fuck? 
I yep. am three years old. Can I have a break? <laughs> but from the very like young age, you're like, ah, you're going to do some work around the house. My nephews are uh, three-year-old twins, identical twins. The boys loved when she vacuumed. They were just, they were just enthralled by the vacuum cleaner. They wanted to push it. They loved when it was on. Like they were both just like looking at it like, like what in God's name is that amazing machine? So she bought them these matching little toy vacuum cleaners. And those boys <laughs> love those fucking things. That's like their favorite toy. They push them all over the house. They go into every room, down every hallway, you know. And her husband, he, quote, let it happen. My sister isn't one of those. Like, she's not a woman that, like, she doesn't care what he thinks. <laughs> but, like, she's like, no, this is what they're getting. But he was, like, not happy about it. This is the same man who, when I bought them yellow onesies, he was, he, the, her husband really was not, not in favor of it. I mean, he's over it now, but initially it was like horrifying to him. Horrifying to him. Oh my God. The yeah. patriarchy, but man. But that's what we need to strong. do. We need to get little boys these things too. Like make them excited about kitchens. Now, you know, those kitchens where they have like the fake sink and the fake stove and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. And let's get them some of that, you know, let's get girls like a toy chainsaw or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. There's a cool organization called Tierras and Tools that provide like hardcore, like technical mechanic skills to girls. I love that. Um, yeah. We'll put and in the show notes, Tierras and Tools. That's amazing. Yeah. And they have an Instagram page that I follow. That's really cool. It's so interesting because on one hand, I'm like, wow, like you grew up in Russia. It must be so different from the way I grew up and the culture I grew up in. So I'm just thinking, oh, it must be so different. And then as you're describing things, it is different um, kind of if you look at it in a very, you know, close up way. But if you look at it more from a bird's eye view, you're like, oh, this shit's the same. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. It's a worldwide yeah. thing. I did. I told you that I found one woman who truly was a spinster since this is the podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she was not, um, she was one of the few I found who was not married and not because she was not able to get married because she didn't have a dowry or she was like someone's the true spinster. So anyway, uh, the one woman I did found did find is Dr. Maria Pakrovska. She lived uh, 1852 to 1921. Uh, she became a doctor and she felt that her career uh, was of a greater service to Russian society than seeking a personal fulfillment in marriage. Uh, she thought, I love this, um, she had like a profound sense of female moral superiority, as she uh, referred to it. She genuinely <laughs> believed that women would ennoble politics since they represented the highest ideals of humankind. Uh, and she said that politics suited women better than men. And since men degraded women through prostitution, they were less fit to govern or claim the moral high ground. So she was basically set on never getting married, serving women, serving community as a doctor, uh, and fulfilling her like life's mission through her career to help society rather than through her, you know, personal life. So that is one, one, person. <laughs> one woman out of all of Russian history. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there were more, but I feel like, I don't know, we need to build a monument to her. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote from her. I was not only a doctor, but also a pioneer for women. I had to serve the people and also prove the society that women could, in practice, be as good doctors as men. So I think she did have this sense of men degrade women and look at them as inferior. So why would I ever enter a partnership where one of the person looks at me as less off than him because that would degrade me and therefore I can't really serve other women and put them and lift them up if I'm in a relationship like that myself. She she said that she never suggested that no one would marry, but she herself chose not to. And 
in the revolution, in the time of the revolution from 1905 to 1917, she became like a more convinced feminist as time went on. Yeah, and then this is um, this is a research paper that kind of outlines a couple of groups of unmarried women, and then the last small group are uh, lesbians, but there's just like such little information on that particular subject. Even now, I was, when I started this research, I typed in like, oh, unmarried women in Russia. There were multiple YouTube videos of Russian like TV hosts who were like, we're going to look at the list of women who are so beautiful, but for some reason they're not married. And I was just like, (laughs) and one of them, one of the videos, I was just like, come on, fuck you. There is this famous (laughs) Russian singer who are now openly lesbian and lives with a famous actress who's also lesbian. Like, they've been openly gay and living together for a number of years now. And she was included on that list of, like, for some reason, not married women. And I'm like, <laughs> you know like, no, why. We're not going to talk why. about it. Uh, oh, my God. But it's very much like um, a, a big taboo in Russia to be gay. Yeah. So even when something that known, she's still included on the list. And... and <laughs> It's so, it was so condescending. He was like, we hope all of them will find love and find the man that they're looking for. And I was like, again, she's a lesbian. She's not looking for a man. What is this? That, I mean, and that is exactly the point of this podcast is like, it's great if that's what you're looking for. But did anyone ask her if that is what she is looking for? No. They just assumed what will make her complete is a man. Right. Not if, just a if, relationship, um, a relationship with a man. Yeah. And if you're asked, why aren't you married? And you respond honestly, because I don't want to be. No one believes you. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're just bitter. You you're hiding men. something or right. you're just using that as a defense because you're so ashamed, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I would highly recommend for anyone to just get married at 19 and divorce at 21. So then you just tell people... <laughs> You get it done. You get it out of your system. Yeah, it's great. I think that continues on to haunt me because I think in every relationship, I try very hard to make it work because I feel like I failed once. I need to make it work this time. And this is not the right way to do this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Do not let your past trauma haunt your (laughs) current relationships. If you want to know how bad I am at a relationship, I have a court document to prove it. I've got proof. So, yeah, 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 yeah. You might tell me you a better relationship. I have a government document. Mm-hmm. And mm. in the end, you made the correct decision. Oh, 100%. And, and I think I also, and I think that's in every relationship, and we kind of touched on it earlier, it takes two to be in a bad relationship. So I yeah. think as a 19-year-old, I definitely lacked um, enough like thought and eloquence and... I, I don't know, just like intelligence to be like, this doesn't work for me because of this. Therefore, I'm going to leave. It was more of like, I guess this is how it is. And yeah. I couldn't communicate properly what didn't work for me. So while this relationship definitely didn't work because, you know, of his fault, I also wasn't in a position because I was so young to eloquently explain what it is that he should be doing to make this work. My point being that it takes two people to make a relationship work. It also takes two people to make it not work. You know, we are all part of this system and we all have our own responsibility to educate others or dismantle the system and make it work for us. And if we don't do it, the other party is not going to just simultaneously change if they're not aware of what it is that's not working. Not that we're not trying to, but not all of the women are trying to, right? Like some of the women are part of the the side that wants to keep it the way it is yep they like that status quo or go back even further i'll go back even further that's right yeah yeah mrs pence (laughs) (laughs) mother yeah The, the dugars is that what they're called yeah good lord well, I think that um, you've given me and Eva a lot of um, – uh, we've backed up our reasoning behind not getting married. 
So why don't we play our favorite game? Oh, my favorite game. Our favorite game. And Laysan, uh, why don't you ask the question? So our favorite game is called Why Aren't You Married? Okay. Wherein Eva and I discuss uh, one reason that we are not married. So feel free. Ask the question to whomever party you would like. Hey, Amy. Why aren't you married? Um, why aren't I married? Um, very truthfully, I'm really only good at, like, first through, like, the 14th dates. Like, I just don't have the patience to, like, break through that middle ground of the relationship where, like, everyone's feelings are really confused and then, like, like we're both on kind of bad behavior because we're acting out all of our, like, internal stuff. Um... So that would be like a, a stick to itiveness. I just don't have stick to itiveness. And that is why I'm not married. Meaning, like, you just kind of get to a point where you shrug. You're just like, yeah. you're an early shrugger. You're like, do I yeah. care enough? Uh, <laughs> right. And it's usually, nah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, do, even if. Like, do I want to try and convert the guy who's like, no, I'm not really looking for a serious relationship, even though we've been dating for like three months. Like, you know, just that kind of thing. Like, I I think my tolerance for nonsense is is very low. And yeah, I think you have to, you know, deal with a little bit of nonsense in order, in order to get married. 100%. <laughs> okay, Eva, why aren't you married? You know, something you said um, during, I was going to say the meat, <laughs> meat of the podcast, <laughs> something you said, um, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes ago, kind of stuck with me. Um, and you said that at the, at that age, at like 19 to 20, you weren't able to communicate your needs. And do you remember what you said? <laughs> you said something that was better yeah, yeah. than that, but mm. um, eloquently state what she wanted and what she needed. Yeah, wants and needs. I've never been able to do that. Uh, my Nana turned 86 yesterday. I was t- talking to her and I brought up the issue of communication, right? My sister is having some problems in her marriage and we were gossiping about her. And um, <laughs> I made the point that I have often struggled in communication and relationships And when I look at my sister's relationship with her husband, I have noticed that like she would come to me and vent about her husband and then her husband would come to me and vent about her, you know, (laughs) and it's this thing where like you guys just need to vent at each other. I mean, in a, in a constructive way. And I was explaining to my grandmother that I, I saw that and it, it just kind of resounded with me because I also have those issues, you know, like I'd bitch to my girlfriend or my mom or something about my boyfriend and prior relationships, or I wouldn't bitch to anybody. Like I just keep my mouth shut and keep it in. And I was telling my grandmother, you know, we didn't learn how to do that. You know, my, Mm -hmm. my parents did not communicate. My mom, if she was mad, my mom wouldn't tell my dad why she was upset. She would instead go do laundry and cry while she was doing laundry and then go in her room and shut the door. Right. Mm -hmm. So she would, Mm -hmm. she would kind of, stomp around, which, which is what I've tended to do. Like I would try, I would physically be like, can't you see how mad I am? You know, in a really an infantile way more than my mom. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to throw a tantrum so you can see how mad I am. Um, I would do that in relationships. Well, can't you see how hard I'm crying by how upset I am and how long I'm upset that clearly you did something wrong as opposed to saying, you know, and, and this brings me to like, I had my first fight with my new boyfriend last week. We've been dating for um, about six months, you know, which during COVID, like, I feel like if you take the number of times we've actually seen each other and spent together and crush it down, it's literally like, yeah, Amy, I think we're probably hitting that like 14th date mark. Mm-hmm. And so it was okay. like, you know, and the first fight can be scary, especially like for me, I hate conflict. My communication problems in my previous relationships have been the end of everything and caused me much suffering. And so I have been like, okay, well, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Oh, it was like, at first I did it though, because it was like, he, he did something. I immediately kind of like got quiet. Then he came over. 
I think he could tell that I was upset, but we didn't say anything about it. And he put something on TV and was like, you want to watch this? You want to? And I was like, sure. Like, and I didn't even like, you know, I just went with it. And then as soon as that episode was over, I just stewed the entire episode. As soon as that episode was over, I brought up the thing that had happened 45 minutes before. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of pissed. <laughs> he was just like, I knew you were pissed, blah, blah, blah. And it, and it was like, oh, I can just tell him I, I can actually use words and say, I am upset. And I still don't do it in the most, I mean, no, no, nothing was eloquent about this, but I can do it in a way that says, I'm upset. Here's why. Can you understand why I'm upset? Instead of like, I'm upset. You're the worst human being in the world. And um, you have wounded me. And <laughs> you deserve to go on trial at Nuremberg. You know, like I can. <laughs> so it is a thing where it's like, I'm going to be 40 in three months. And I am just starting to use the skills that I should have had in all of those relationships we, before. We don't have communication skills because we're not taught them. We spend, you know, yeah. 18 years studying, I don't know, international trade. And then in terms of communicating <laughs> to our partner, we're like, I don't even know how to tell him that I'm mad about the toothpaste. And that's like the simplest thing. But yeah. another thing is that uh, women are definitely looked at as failures if they are single or divorced or single mothers, etc., etc., mm -hmm. where a divorced man looked as like a bachelor or a divorced man looked at like um not a failure, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we put like, a lot of value oh, no. on men. Like like the opposite, like he's almost a catch because he's like he's been in a relationship. Clearly he can commit. Ladies, he can yes. commit. Yeah, and so uh, that's a big part of it that I think women a lot of times are not bringing up questions or expressing why they're sad because they're so afraid to lose a relationship because it would be an indication of uh, their value to society. Yeah, that they think that if they're going to bring it up, they're going to lose him. But another thing is, if this relationship doesn't work, just because you asked the hard question, and it fell apart, that means that the relationship wasn't strong to begin. It was not the one for you. He was not the one girls. Logically, yes, Eva, I can relate so hardcore to everything that you said. Oh, um, and I, that's kind of what we were talking about is that like, we didn't see how to actually have a good relationship. Like I know I didn't. My mom was the queen of passive aggressiveness. Yep. Yeah. Where do you learn this? Where do you learn this? You either learn it from your parents or then like maybe movies, but look at what, what kind of info we're getting fed. Like, oh God. Especially while we were growing up, movies are awful, like, relationship advice from, like, the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Awful, awful yeah. messages. Yeah. And unless, like, you have either a really good example in front of you, uh, maybe not your parents, say, like, aunt and uncle or a really good friend who have, like, an honest communication and a really good relationship that you can learn from, really, like, what is the only other way is probably going through therapy and untangling why you can't communicate properly. And therapy is not accessible to everyone. And there has been such a big stigma against going to therapy for so many years that like, how do you really learn to communicate? And then it's just like a vicious cycle that goes from grandparents to parents to then generation. It's like generational communication trauma. And like, you might be better communicating actually than like your parents or grandparents. So we're moving into the right direction, but it's like way too slow. <laughs> Slowly. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Also, I would just like to say I'm very proud of myself that my answer this week was on me. <laughs> it's just like, oh. I guess I'm part of the <laughs> I problem. I guess it's not because men are trash. You said that you stewed on it for about like a half an hour. I feel like you're allowed to take a little bit of time to process and like act like, you know, identify what is actually really oh, bothering bitch. you. I wasn't thinking. I was not thinking about how oh, how am I going to express my feelings? And like, am I ready to be vulnerable and have this conversation about, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I was thinking about, should I pick up my bag and walk out the door? That was 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, of me playing that out in my head. If I 
walk out, if I take my shit and leave, <laughs> does that mean I'm breaking up with him? Does Will he see that as me, you know, just being super dramatic? So he will break up with me. Uh, like, if I stay, like, is this going to be the worst night of my life? Like, it, it, mm. there was no, no. I but was in not, the end, you decided to no. communicate what it is that you felt yes. wrong. And then I would say awesome. in the 30 seconds before I finally opened my mouth, I was like... I guess there's an alternative to storming out. <laughs> um, I, I love it though. I love it. It's that's that it, you are being very vulnerable, Eva, and, um, and that's we all very appreciate difficult. that because yeah, that is very that is very relatable. Thought it's fucking process. horrible. Oh um, well, Lisanne, am I saying your name correctly? Let me ask you after we're at the end of the podcast. <laughs> am I doing it, Lisanne? Lisanne. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You yes, you make you. both Amy and I sound much more thoughtful and intelligent and, and educated than we are. So um, we would love to have you back. <laughs> Absolutely. Point. So many things we could dive back. into. Oh, yeah. um, I think today we learned that there's a lot that we need to learn. Yeah. Same. I mean, when you gave me this task and I was like, oh, unmarried famous woman in Russia, for sure. That's going to be really easy. And then I was just like breaking my head over a train. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, no, there isn't. Which really. was not my intention. <laughs> but I learned something about Russian women and I'm a part of that culture. And I feel like I studied like Russian history, obviously, like I went to university there. I went to high school there. I went, you know, you would think that this would be part of my education and that I would know those things. But I, I really didn't. <laughs> I mean, so. yeah, women women's history isn't a big part of the history that's taught. So uh, yeah. it sucks that we have to go back and, and learn about it now. But we're learning it now. And uh, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to learn about my culture. <laughs> we loved every second of it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening to another episode. You can follow us on social media spinster life podcast uh you can email us if you'd like spinster life podcast at gmail.com uh or go to our website spinsterlife.com let us know how we're doing let us know what you're thinking and we'll see you next time talk to your partner all right bye guys <laughs> bye, bye.